present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm joined in this hour by the incomparable Stephen A. Smith, and he just gave me a real serious lesson in football, but why he is really here is to talk about his tell-all memoir, Straight Shooter, which shot to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Stephen, I got to ask you, that book is pretty personal. You get into a lot of uh, information about your childhood, your background, your family. Uh, tell us, uh, what prompted you to write a book to reveal so much about yourself, particularly since you are known for being so private? Well, I think the, it was time. Um, you know, no one tells everything, but there's a lot that needed to be told and needed to be said. The chair that I sit in every day, being having a minimum of 10 to 15 hours available to me over the airwaves, reaching millions of people a day and billions on YouTube annually and stuff like that. You know, I sit in judgment of people's actions, the things that they do, why they may have done what they have done in the world of sports etc etc and when you have that kind of seat and you finally decide to write your own book i thought it was important to enlighten people about how i've come to think the way that i think to be the way that i am to express myself the way that i express myself um and the motivation behind it and so for me i thought that i owed the uh the, the listener the reader the viewer that etc because i did an audio book as well and so what happened is, is that in 2011 um i had obviously i was a mama's boy and i was very very tight i'm the youngest of six and i have four older sisters and very very close i was very close with my mother she was diagnosed with cancer and i'd been let go by espn two years early and i was brought back and everybody was clamoring for me to write a book and my mother knew that if I wrote a book, my first book was going to be about my life. Mm. And, and she made me promise, you will not write this book until I'm dead and gone. Wow. And you Only kept after, that promise. And I kept that promise because she knew what I was going to do. The book would be to celebrate her, Ariva, because of all that she's meant to me. She's the greatest woman I've ever known. Um, I miss her every day. She passed away in 2017. And she knew that inevitably by celebrating her, Mm -hmm. I would have to talk about why she needed to be celebrated. And in doing so, it inevitably would take me to my relationship with my father. Wow. And she did not want to be alive when I talked about that. And, so and I you, waited. You get real deep in the book, Stephen, about your dad and the relationship with your dad. And some things he said that were pretty unflattering and not very encouraging for a young man. Many people maybe don't know that you had learning disabilities as a child. You you, you had yes. dyslexia. I have a child yes. that has autism, so I know what it's like for a kid to be in school and to have a learning disability, to be misunderstood, and for people to have low expectations of you. But as you sit here today having accomplished so much, Beyond what you've done in the sports world, to become a New York Times best-selling author, only 5 to 7% of published authors in this country are black, and 0.5% of those published authors make the coveted New York Times bestsellers list. What does it feel like to just be on that <laughs> list knowing that you are in a club that is so tiny? I mean, it is tiny, 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 the number of people that have accomplished what you've accomplished. I would have to tell you it's incredibly humbling. I'm honored uh, to have achieved such a thing. And, and, 
you know, it's a testament to all the people who loved me, who believed in me, who didn't count me out. And obviously that one of those people was not my father. Um, so telling that story was one thing, but I'd like to emphasize this because I think it's incredibly important for your listeners to hear. As much uh, as my father inflicted upon me in a negative light, that wasn't the cause of my fury or my disgust with him. What disgusted me was his treatment of my mother. Mm. Because I'm one, I'm one of those guys that, you know, listen, what you do in your personal relationship with your spouse, your significant other is your business. And, and as it pertains to my mother, as long as you don't put your hands on her, because mm-hmm. we would have, we, we definitely would have dealt with him if he ever done something like that. And my father was adamantly against putting your hands on a woman. So I applaud him for that. But I'm old school. And in this day and age, you can call it woke culture. You can call it whatever it is, but I'm completely, completely old school from the standpoint of Reba. I want a woman to do what she wants to do. I wanted to have her career. I wanted to have her education. I wanted to have everything, but it is my job to provide for and to protect my family as a man. I believe that I'm the, I'm the bread. I'm the guy that takes care of the bills. You know, I, I don't eat unless you eat. I'm not comfortable unless you're comfortable. That's how I am with my daughters. That's how I am with, with any woman that I've dated. That's how I am with my sisters, everybody. I've always been that way. Mm. And the fact, the fact that he allowed my mother to work 16 hours a day, seven days a week, with one week's vacation a year, to pay the bills, essentially to do the job that he was responsible for, to me was unforgivable. And so for me, that's when we talk about me getting personal and me talking about all of those things that was inflicted upon us is because we watched as our mother was deprived of the life that she deserved while trying to raise us because she was busy doing his job. You know, Stephen, the story you tell is so familiar to so many black families, particularly those folks who are in your age group. Many didn't have fathers in the home at all. Those that mm-hmm. did have fathers, uh, you know, can recount stories very similar to yours. I guess I'm, I'm wondering, did you ever get to a point where you could forgive your father, where you could think about maybe what his childhood was like, who raised him, what the conditions were for his upbringing that maybe led him to that point where he wasn't the man that you thought he should be? Because, you know, the history of black men in this country, and we don't even have enough time to talk about it, but, Mm -hmm. you know, black men have had it hard. And I'm not an apologist for a man that's not handling his business. But I do think that many of our fathers and mine being, mine was an absent father. Yours was there. And you said not taking care of business, but have you ever been able to just, you know, say dad didn't do what I wanted him to do, but I forgive you. No, if I'm being totally honest, Um, I think the closest I came to that was the day I eulogized him at his funeral in 2018 Mm-hmm. 14 months. He had died 14 months after my mother died. Mm. And I think that then, you know, and, and the reason why it wasn't, it wasn't like I walked around with just this fury for no reason. It was like, wait a minute, you know, you, you, you want to, and I told him this one time, you're upset acting like I won't let go of what you did or what you was. That's not my issue with you. My issue with you is you're still that guy. You're still that person. Mm-hmm. All these years later, you still got mom doing this. You're still depriving her of that. You're still putting this load on her shoulders. That's my issue with you. You're partying, you're womanizing, you're gambling, you're drinking, you're living life. You, you, I said, this 
heaven for you because you don't have to accept any responsibility because she's handling all of that. And so for me, the closest I ever came to that in all honesty was when he passed away. I spoke to my pastor, A.R. Bernard from the Christian Cultural Center in New York because I was going to eulogize him and I was going to go in. Mm. Everybody celebrate him. I was going to be like, he is not the man y'all thought he was. The pastor talked to me, gave me, you know, some, 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 some wise from, counsel. Some wise counsel from the book of Matthew and what happened. And he just talked about forgiveness and stuff like that. And he said, tell your truth, but keep that in mind. And then I went up there and I started off my eulogy by saying, that's y'all interpretation. His children have an entirely different interpretation of who my father was. And I said, I was going to come up here and tell you what a good man he wasn't. And then I remembered something. And I said, my mother didn't know a damn thing about sports. I work for ESPN. I'm the face of ESPN. She says, EPSN, whatever it is, I don't know. She had no <laughs> Me idea. and mom, see, said, right there together. Yeah. All right, mom, I love she you had, already. She had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea. But you know what? She knew what a no-hitter was. She knew what a fastball was. She knew what a home run was. And I said, she knew all of those things because she wanted to know about baseball because my father loved baseball. Mm. And I said, she loved him so much something had to be special about him. Yeah. And then I talked about all the good things about him. And then I said, did you know what? At the end of the day, he's my dad. I still love him. Kudos to you. I, you know, th this story just gives me chills. I, all of us have had some kind of experience journey with our parents and I'm a parent of three and I'm not perfect. And I don't know what my kids are going to say when they eulogize me, but I hope, that they find in their hearts to forgive me for whatever I didn't do or could have done better. And, and I'm just glad that you were able to stand up there despite all the issues you had with your dad and find yeah. something good to say, because you're right. Your mother loved him and that wasn't your relationship yeah. with him, but boy, it sounds like she really loved him. And then guess what? The two of them birthed the Stephen A. Smith that's sitting here today. Yeah. That's now able to bless other people uh, and that's what that book, your your new book, Straight Shooter, does. I, I want to, you know, talk about some of the positive things that this book is meant to do. And not just to tell your personal story, but I know you said this book is to help. You wanted to motivate other people. It, you know, the, the Audible book, you recorded yourself. I've had a yeah. chance to listen to it. So folks that can't get enough of Stephen A. Smith on TV can listen to Straight Shooter uh, by downloading it. And, and the book is sold everywhere books are, you know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your local bookstore. But, but talk to us about what you want people to get out of this book. Well, it's interesting you brought up another blessing because literally five minutes before I came on this call with you, um, it was, uh, I was informed that, um, my audio book is number eight on the New York times bestseller list. Wow. So Congratulations. I just you just, I you just came on here to brag. You're just trying to floss all over me. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> You're killing it. You're killing it. Congratulations I, I on you, that. I would tell you, listen, thank you. I would tell you that I talk about motivation. I talk about inspiration because it's incredibly important when you're down. The, one, the number one feeling you have is this abyss that you're in because you think nobody's there for you. And there's always somebody there. There's always mm -hmm. somebody there to lend you a helping hand. Mm -hmm. If you are focused, if you are motivated and you want it bad, the one thing you can't count on is somebody wanting things for you more than mm -hmm. you want for you. You have to want it. But if you want it and you're willing to put your head down and put in that work and be focused, you'd be surprised how many people will extend a helping hand because they certainly did it for me. I had the world stacked against me. 
And I'm not here because I was some marvelous, brilliant kid. I was exactly the opposite. But people directed me. They directed me. They focused me. They locked me in. They made sure to remind me that they would be there for me if I was willing to be there for myself. And so for me, that's the kind of message that I wanted to send to everybody out there. You know, you look at art, rap artists, hip hop artists, actors, actresses, athletes, et cetera. I don't consider them the American dream. I consider them the American fantasy that's become reality because it's a one in a billion shot. You could pull that off, right. but you can be, you can be Stephen A. Smith. You can get left back. You can put your head down and, 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 and learn to overcome the deficiencies and graduate with honors and, and do internships and work your way to a very, very prominent position in our society. Yes, you can pull that off. You don't have to be exactly me to have a successful career. There are plenty of people that are not in my position, but work in the same industry mm-hmm. and they are highly successful. Right. You know, so that's the kind of message that I wanted to send. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you know, what you're saying, I'm sure, resonates with so many people. I'm talking to Stephen A. Smith about his New York Times bestselling book, his New York Times bestselling audible book, uh, Straight Shooter. And in this book, Stephen A. goes all in. He tells it all. It's a tell-all memoir. And there's so many facts about you, Stephen A., that I don't think people know from you having a, a big part on General Hospital. You you a soap star, too. <laughs> See, people may not know. I a, a badass soap star, soap star too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I, got a, I got a little recurring role. My character's name is Brick on General Hospital. I was just in L.A. yesterday filming scenes for it. But it's just a recurring role. I, I, I appear several times uh, a year. What do you mean just like. a recurring role? You know, okay, ESPN. Best-selling book on the New York Times list, recurring role on uh, popular soap opera. What is it that you don't do, Mr. Smith, I think is what we should be asking. But most important, you're so humble and you're willing to share yourself and willing to help other people in their journey. And I think that's the most important thing anybody can do, because at the end of the day, you know, people aren't going to really care about what you did. They care about how you make them feel. And through this book, you are making so many people feel incredibly good about yeah. themselves and i hope everybody goes out pick up your copy barnes and noble target everywhere books are sold uh stephen a smith uh just an incredible human being an incredibly successful human being uh stay with us kbla talk 58 a little sports and news coming up next Ariva time is the right time more of Ariva martin in real time when we come forward, forward. LA today. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm back with the incomparable Stephen A. Smith, and he just made some news, some news today, today telling us that his Audible book has landed on the New York Times bestselling list. Uh, he said it comes on that list number eight. Uh, his book, Straight Shooter, is also on that best-selling list. That book you can find anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. And you can download that Audible. I had a chance to do so. And it's a game-changing book from a game-changing guy. So I'm super excited to be talking to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen, I, I couldn't have this conversation without... I couldn't have this conversation with you tonight without talking about what happened earlier in the day, and that's the emotional, powerful funeral service for 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. We know Mr. Nichols was killed at the hands of five African-American police officers in Memphis uh, several weeks ago. 
What are you thinking about Tyree Nichols in this moment and the role that black athletes in particular should have when we talk about social justice and issues of police brutality? Well, the first feeling is incredible sadness uh, for a life cut entirely too short. 29 years of age, Tyree Nichols was, four-year-old kid, um, had a four-year-old kid, what did do, didn't do anything wrong. And he was targeted by these black police officers. Um, I agree with Reverend Al Sharpton from the other day when he said that these officers are, are a disgrace to our race. I believe that their punishment should be first degree murder. I think that they should receive life in prison. I don't think they should ever see the light of day again. I watched all 66 minutes of those videos, four different videos. And what I keep bringing attention to, and I brought this up on my show, First Take on ESPN, I brought this up on my podcast, No Mercy. River, you couldn't see from the body cam what the officers were doing, but you kept hearing them yell, put your hands behind your back, mm -hmm. put your hands behind your back. They were giving the impression he was resisting. Right. When yeah. in fact, Two officers had him to the ground mm -hmm. because a satellite camera from across the street that they didn't know existed was there watching them. Mm -hmm. Two mm -hmm. officers had him on the ground, bringing up football. Another officer comes up and winds up like he's about to kick a field goal mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. kicks this kid, Tyree Nichols, in the face twice. Then they lean him up. They sit him up. Then another officer comes and grabs a nightstick and hits him at least twice. He's done. He's not resisting. He mm. can't resist. He's completely overpowered. The audience, the officers have him constrained. Okay, restrained the whole bit. And then they stand him up. And the officer comes in there again and punches him in the face full force three different times. They beat him to death. death. Literally. That's what they did. And so for me, when we talk about the athletes, yes, the athletes can bring attention to police brutality. The athletes can play a significant role because of their reach, their cachet, the muscle that they can flex in social media and beyond to bring attention to the things. I've advocated for years that the athletes can pull their resources and have their own lobbyists go up on Capitol Hill lobbying on behalf of professional athletes in terms of what we want our agenda to be. I contribute to it, okay? Right. Because that's the only language these lawmakers understand. They understand what the lobbyists tell them to understand because the lobbyists funnel money and favors and all this other stuff into their into their pockets or wherever else they, they funnel that, that favor to. We know they can have that kind of influence. But as it pertains to this particular situation, what do you say? How can you be a black man let alone five, hmm. and do something like that to another, first of all, any human being, right. but secondly, to another young brother right. who was yeah. three houses away from his home screaming for Please his mama. How could you do that? How could you do that? Yeah, this one hit differently. You know, I, I've been at this a long time as a civil rights lawyer. I've, I've had to you know, give my expert opinion on so many of these cases from Mike Brown, yeah. whose father's going to be on this That's show right. tomorrow. Uh, you know, Eric Gardner, Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, 
I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So you ask yourself, when will it ever stop? But I don't think we've ever seen the level of brutality from black officers uh, against another African-American man in the way that we saw in these four videos. And now we're learning that there are going to be more videos released, that there's more footage to watch. And this is trauma. It's racially trauma. I mean, this is this is race. This is the classic example of racial trauma that we're all experiencing. And I'm in agreement with you. These officers should never see the light of day. They should uh, you know, suffer the fullest extent yeah. of what our law has to offer for the most heinous yeah. criminals, because that's what they are. And then I want to see systemic changes, uh, Stephen A. I love the idea of athletes pooling their resources and going to Capitol Hill and trying to make a difference because legislators, they do. They listen to influ- right. influential people, and, and athletes have such right. a, a big platform uh, from which well, to operate. Let, let me say this to you, Reva. They have help. Commissioner Adam Silver is white and Jewish. I know him. Commissioner Roger Goodell of the National Football League is a white man. They will help these players go on Capitol Hill. Yeah. They may not help the players lobby against their <laughs> Right. But something like this, they may not they help the help players play. have more black owners of the NFL there you teams. Go. They ain't gonna help that, <laughs> but they would. But, but with an issue like this, that's near and dear to players yeah. and the communities from which they come, they would help these players. Yeah. And and Capitol Hill will listen. Yeah, if the commissioners roll up there with superstar athletes saying we want this addressed. Yeah, they will absolutely listen. The problem is. We talk a lot, but we don't plan a lot on far too many occasions. Well, we don't, I think we don't, you just we, laid out a brilliant plan, and, and hopefully yes. your uh, you know athletes around the country are listening and will start to take some action because I hate to tell you, there's another case coming down the pipeline on Friday. There's going to be a press conference about another um, man, African-American man shot by police. And it just goes on and on and on as much as we say, you know, when is it going to be over? And we thought George Floyd was the worst example of this kind of police brutality. Right. It's not going to end until the culture of policing changes. And it doesn't matter if you're a black officer, a white officer, a Latino officer, your color doesn't matter. The color is blue. And the problem is a crisis in American policing that we have to be willing to address and we got to have the will and the determination to do so before i let you go Stephen a smith i got to ask you one last question i, I read someplace that you want to go to nighttime tv talk to me about that <laughs> as i say goodbye to you what you gonna do on nighttime you, you're gonna give jimmy fallon well, I, I, a run I, I, for his I, money well i i filled in for jimmy fallon and i'm sorry jim not jimmy fallon, i filled in for jimmy kimmel in august of 2021 mm. um just one night and I was the second. You got the bug. You got you got bit. I, I was I was the second highest rated show behind Stephen Gobert. Wow. And I just I just my attitude is this: I, I I bring the rain. I say what I feel, et cetera, et cetera. I do that every single day. I've been reporting for years, et cetera. You know, but I do know how to laugh. I do know how to make other people <laughs> laugh and smile and to have a good time. And that's I don't want to give up sports. I don't want to leave sports. But I do want to extend beyond those parameters and late night would definitely be something that I would be intrigued by if Disney and ABC would have come to me, for example, and when if Jimmy Kimmel was stepping away in two years and they came to me as something that I would I would definitely want to do. Well, 
I would be one of your biggest fans. I would be watching well, you. you in you nighttime. So I think you would be phenomenal. And as you said, you know, you don't have to give up sports to stretch, right? There's so That's many right. layers. There's so many things that you can do. You're just getting started, I know. And I know this is not going to be your last book. Again, Straight Shooter, New York Times bestselling book, New York it Times be. bestselling. Oh, no, you got another book in books. you. You got it. I'm telling know. you, you got the night light. You got the nighttime book for TV. You're going to love being an author, I, I can tell you. I I'm know. not a New York Times best-selling author, but I'm an author. Mm. So I can tell I you from you. experience. You. Thank I you so you. much for sitting down with Thank me. You. Be well, my friend. And whatever well. you do, I'm sure it's going to turn into gold because that's the kind of guy I'm so are. proud of you. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Do your thing. You're going to you, do my a fabulous friend. job. All the best to you. Oh, I appreciate you so much. Coming forward, or when we come forward, we got more on KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580.